Need to arrange finance for your business? Talk to Linked Finance today. As an approved provider of low-cost business loans under the government's COVID-19 credit guarantee scheme, Linked Finance offers fast, unsecured loans of up to €250,000 with no personal guarantees required. Simple applications are lowest ever rates and a credit decision in just 24 hours. Keep your business moving forward. Search Linked Finance today. Linked Finance, supporting a Government of Ireland initiative. Why people got to be haters all the time? Y'all, have a, y'all, do y'all know the person who always has something negative to say? Like, they don't even do it on purpose. They just can't help it. It's just their go-to. Why are you like this? Like, perfect example. I had a vacation a couple weeks ago, and I booked a suite and had a personal pool. And I was getting a ton of messages from people. Yo, that's dope. Where is that? How'd you do it? Yo, that's fly. Yo, whatever, right? And my homegirl was like, oh, my God, do you know how many people have had sex in that pool, Mo? And like, <laughs> okay, like, wait. I mean, I get it, but who says that? I mean, technically, you book any kind of a suite, resort, hotel, anywhere in the world. I don't care how many stars it is. Obviously, a million and three people have had sex where you about to sleep. But, like, who says that? <laughs> why, why was that the first thing you thought to say? Oh, my God, Mo, can you imagine? Like, I didn't enjoy the pool after that. If you with a group of people and you order a pizza, no one wants to deal with the person that's in the room like, yo, y'all know how many hands are going to be on this pizza? You got the guy that's smacking it, flipping it, rubbing it down. Whoa. Like, <laughs> you got the guy putting it in the box. Then the other guy's getting it and putting it in his little musty car. Like, no, no one. Who's doing that? When Domino's first started the little tracker thing, I remember watching it because it used to give you step-by-step, like play-by-play on your pizza. And I remember one of the things it said was, Raul is checking your pizza for deliciousness. And I thought to myself, well, just how in the hell you do that, Raul? Like, I don't... The only way I know how you check something for deliciousness is to taste it. So did Raul lick my pizza? Like, how the hell does Raul know if my pizza is delicious? I was bothered by that. So when the dude got to the door, I was like, I figured it was that was a fair question for me to ask. Like, I wanted to know why Mr. Raul knew how delicious my pizza was. So I asked him. I said, hey, yo, Raul. And he said, he looked at me like he ain't know what I was talking about. And I, I said, Raul. And he said, my name Muhammad. And I just knew it was all bullshit from there. <laughs> why? <laughs> so where's Raul? He said, I don't know Raul. I said, how? Okay, so if Raul checked it for deliciousness... Like, who was in between you and Raul that you don't even know Raul? And then I never enjoyed pizza again. My point is, don't be a hater, man. People don't like haters. Welcome to In The Moment. There's a moment in everything, and everything is a moment. I talk about the comedy in it all. If this is your first time, welcome to the funniest podcast you've never heard. I'm your new favorite comedian, Mo Mitch, or your money back. Shout out to all my regular listeners. Episode 35. I'm back. I took a week off. I know, I know, I know. I I shouldn't be, but I needed a mental week. I did. I had a lot going on. I needed to clear my head. If you are going through some things right now, I'm with you. It hey happens to the best of us, but you get through it. I I'm at a new place in life. I realize that because when I go through dark times now. Maturity has given me an opportunity to understand that dark times are not only necessary, but they bring out the best you. They're not the best of times to go through, but what they create, it's, all, it's always worth it. Pictures are, pictures are created in the dark. Visions are created in the dark. I believe that most of the things that we see in the light are created in the dark. So I don't go through dark times anymore feeling like it's the end of the world. I used to do that. Oh, my 20s. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Life is over. Like, you know, <laughs> you think life is over for everything, don't you? You just always life is. Oh, my God. I got a D minus. Oh, my God. I'm gonna die. Like, it's, it's not that serious. Life is not over. You're going to be OK. Sometimes you got to go through something to get to something. All right. But now that I'm back, let's get down to business. I missed a few things. First of all, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> this is an exhibition fight that's taking place in September. Um, It's for charity. And I think it's a part of Mike Tyson's new Legends Only League. Here's the thing. I am not treating this like an exhibition fight, okay? We have, we have not had sports, and I need some kind of sports. So for me, this fight of the year, all right? This is, I'm going to watch this. I'm not going to lie. I know they're both older. I know y'all are thinking you got to be kidding me. But I'm watching it. I'm watching it for a few different reasons. For one, 
I just always want to see Mike Tyson fight. I don't care. Mike Tyson could fight a tiger. I'd, I'd watch it, and I'd pay for it. I love Mike Tyson. Uh, that's my guy. He's another one of my childhood heroes. Mike was like the greatest thing ever when I was a kid. He was the most dangerous man on the planet, and I believe he still is. That's the thing. Mike has some rage in him. Mike has always been the kind of guy who was fueled and led by rage, and he's been a lot more calm, a lot more mature in his years now, and that's great, and I believe in that, but I also believe that that rage is in there somewhere, somewhere. Like, it doesn't just disappear. It's there. And I don't know that with gloves on and another man punching you with gloves on, that rage is not going to show itself. Mike is going to go old Mike. It's going to happen. And I want to be there to see it. And that's why my money is on Mike. It's a lot of Roy Jones Jr. disrespect online. I've seen it. Y'all are clearly not boxing fans. I'm not even talking to y'all. Roy is never to be disrespected. Roy is a legend in his own right. And Roy is that guy. <laughs> and Roy is another reason I believe that it's actually going to turn into something because they're both very competitive. Like, if you know anything about these two fighters, they're extremely competitive. And Roy is one of the most competitive fighters ever. I don't, I think they're both going to get in there and become the two old uncles that don't realize they're old. Like, they're going to become those two. And I don't know what's going to happen because neither of them want to be embarrassed and neither wants to lose, regardless. I don't care if it's exhibition or it's a charity. Neither of them want to go out like that. So I think it's, at some point it's going to become a fight. It may only be for 33 seconds because that might be all they have in them. I mean, every clip I've seen of Mike Tyson has been incredible, but it's also been 15 seconds. <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen an hour of Mike being Mike. So I don't know how long the moment is going to be, but there will be a moment. And I don't even think Roy is completely prepared. I don't already heard Roy say, yo, he might bite me and I'm going to bite him back. I don't even know why we're there. I don't even know <laughs> why, why are you even thinking of something like that during an exhibition charity match. But that's where their mindsets are. Roy might bite him back, but Mike will bite him first. I'm going Mike. I'm going Mike. That's just how I feel. I believe that is like early September. I got Mike. Y'all heard it here first. And whoever want to bet me, we could bet. And if we're going to keep it here with the fighting, I got Will. Because y'all know Will in August going to fight. At some point in August. I know August is young. I know he got a lot of R&B songs about, you know, being in the streets and all that. But I just feel like a man in Will Smith's position is going to find some kind of will, no pun, that he's not going to allow himself to lose a fight against August in that situation. I got will because I know that's what y'all really wanted to know at the end of the day. Now, outside of that, I do wonder, like, and this is all I'm going to say about this Will and August thing because it's old. But I do wonder, there is a thing where when your significant other has had some kind of entanglement with someone else, you typically hate hearing that name, whatever that name may be, right? Like anytime it comes up, it might trigger you and change your whole mood. For most people, you're not really going to hear that name a lot. It might be Gerald. I don't know why, but I just feel like at some point in life, some poor woman cheated on her husband with Gerald Levert. I don't know why I think that. I just do. So let's just say his name is Gerald, right? You're not going to hear Gerald a lot, so you ain't going to be triggered as much. But do y'all think every time Will Smith hears August, like he just going to kind of lose it a little bit? Because I feel like if I were him, August would be a trigger for me. For most people, it's a name. For Will, like that's an entire month. How's he going to deal with next month? You can't even ask Will what today is. Yo, what's today? Yo, it's August. Oh, my God. My fault, Will. I just, it's the 14th. <laughs> he never wants to hear August. I don't even think he's sending presents anymore to family members whose birthdays are in August. I can't celebrate you. And I'm not joking. I'm dead. It may seem like I'm joking, but I'm dead serious. I've seen situations where people get triggered by names. For the rest of their life. Golf, like, I, I would hurt nobody ever got hurt by, like, a Joe. Because, damn, John. I mean, but August? Will don't want nothing to do with August. The whole month. And the crazy thing is Jada Pinkett's birthday is right off of August. It's in September. So you got to come off of this traumatic month, and now I got to celebrate your birthday? Oh, man. Christmas is canceled, too. <laughs> just because. That's a... I just, I feel for the man. I feel like he's never going to want to know anything about August. First time, and with my luck, the first time I meet Will, I'm going to be hyped. He's going to be like, hey, come to my next show, man. When is it? August. Oh, fuck.
<laughs> oh, I pushed it to September, man. I didn't mean it. Just the man, the man hates an entire month. But for the record, but for the record, I heard a lot of people talk about how messy it was for August to release that single, Entanglement, and it was nasty. It was. He tried to capitalize on a moment. I think it backfired on him. It made him look corny. I don't think people were really into it. But never to forget. Let's remember, Ray J still has the nastiest song of all time. I still believe I Hit It First is the nastiest song <laughs> of all time. Entanglements might come in strong second, but I Hit It First is still taking the crown for me. Never forget Ray J, I Hit It First. Moving on, DMX versus Snoop. In the versus battle, it was classic. I'm not going to stay here long, but it was classic. Uh, I told a DMX story last week, so if you, if you heard it, you know I'm a big DMX fan. It was it was nice to see X in this situation of where he looked healthy. He looked happy and he was just he ain't care nothing about Instagram. I don't even think he knew what order his songs were gonna be played. He was just like, yo, play it. Alright, I remember this. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I don't think he cared. He was drinking Kool-Aid. I haven't heard somebody say, yo, where's my Kool-Aid? And I don't know how many years. He pulled out a pack of now laters, shared them with Snoop. Snoop was eating chicken wings and, and, and sharing them with X. It was incredible, man. I was like, this is dope. I'm not going to lie, though. I, I did kind of laugh when X, X looks like he might not be working out every day. Snoop looks like he's in a little better shape. He's in good shape. And <laughs> it seemed like after every time X performed, Snoop would want to ask him questions. And DMX just started ad-libbing because he, he couldn't put a sentence together. Like, and Snoop wasn't picking up on, yo, he didn't have it. Like, he's tired. Snoop's like, yeah, man, so, you know, like, uh, when you did that back in the day, man, what did that feel like? He, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it don't matter what Snoop asked him. That was, X had the same response. Yeah. Uh, and Snoop just kept asking questions. He can't breathe, Snoop. He can't breathe. But outside of that, it was a classic. I was happy to see it. Um, it, it, it was, I don't really know who won. I think Snoop probably won. I didn't keep score. I am biased, but I didn't keep score, but it didn't really matter. It was a celebration on both ends. Uh, there was a few things that DMX said that you can tell he's not necessarily adjusted to the climate yet. Uh, I'm not going to repeat some of the things he said here, but if you watched it, then you know, uh, outside of that, it was a great moment for hip hop. I don't think there was a winner there. I think the winner was hip hop. That's truly what I believe. And I think the next versus battle is Two Chains, Rick Ross. If you're interested. In other news, Meg has finally spoke out, and this 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 is interesting because I kind of do believe this story. Um, if you're not familiar, Meg The Stallion is a rapper. She was hanging out with Tory Lanez, who is a singer, and something happened. They were hanging out with Kylie Jenner. Meg got shot. That's all we really know. But we pretty much know Tory Lanez did it at this point. So Tory shot Meg. Meg spoke about it. Everybody started taking their jokes back. I, as they should. Well, not everybody. But 50 tried it. Joe Budden apologized for his comments. Some people didn't care. Social media jokes on everything. Absolutely everything. Doesn't mean they should, but they do. I, if I were Meg, I, I wouldn't take it personally, but I do understand why she is. She also hasn't come out and told us directly what happened, which is another reason I don't think people are backing her or they weren't backing her as quickly as she felt like they should have. But I do understand her taking it personally. If I got shot, I probably wouldn't be here for the jokes either. So I get it. My thing with Meg is like, I really hope she's learned the lesson because... It's a blessing that she's still alive, obviously, and God wanted her to receive a message, and the message should have been very clear. Whatever the message is for her, that's as clear as it's ever going to be. So I hope she got it, and if, if you're wondering and you follow me closely, yes, I am upset that I actually made that video to kick it to her and she chose Tory Lanez. Yes, yes, why did she choose that lane? I don't, like... I don't understand. I'm HOV. Hope. But I'm but but I can't make jokes because it's not funny. But yes, um, there there's a lot of jokes to be made in the fact that Tory Lanez is five nothing and shot her in both of her feet. I mean, they they're there. I just want to let people know, like, I see the jokes. 
why everybody why would he shoot her in the feet? He probably was aiming up. I mean, I, but I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that because I can't. Because I like Meg, but I am glad that she's okay. And I'm I'm a little mad that she chose Tori. But I'm not gonna hate. I'm not gonna hate because it's it's much easier to avoid Tori than it is August. I'll probably never hear Tori again. But in a couple of days, we have August. All right, so this is what I want to focus on for the most part in this hour. I want to focus on mindset because I was reminded of one of my favorite Tupac quotes. I have a few, but one of them when he said, don't quote me, y'all, because I'm not looking at anything right now, but I believe it was my thought patterns are so different that I either have to change the world or be changed by the world. Something to that extent. And that really resonated with me from the moment I heard it, so much so that I had it on my wall at one point. And I truly believe that. The people who are crazy enough to change the world are normally the people who do. If you are truly crazy enough to think you can change the world, you probably can, but there's a lot that comes with that. And there's a lot that comes with that mindset. And I've struggled with that. I know a lot of people have struggled with that. And I honestly believe that that's a lot of what Kanye is struggling with right now as well. So many people want to jump on him and I understand why. I get it. With Kanye, I think a lot of things can be true. I do think that he's bipolar. I do think he also is not happy in his marriage. I do think that sometimes he can be a bit uh, arrogant and only care about himself and certain things that he does. I do believe that he is also a genius. Like, I actually think all of these things are true. I think Kanye's mind is a little different and he sees things that most people don't. He observes things that most people don't and he doesn't always express himself in the best manner. And I think that gets him into a lot of heat and it makes people think he's always trolling and he's always this. But sometimes I really do just think Kanye is just going through something like a lot of other people. He's just doing it from a position of being in a huge spotlight and it's magnified. But that doesn't mean that he does things right all the time, but it, it does mean that he's still human. And I think there is something there that some people just have these kind of minds that other people wouldn't necessarily understand. And I think a lot of times, just as we're easily impressed, we can also call something crazy just a little too fast because we don't understand it doesn't necessarily mean it's crazy growing up i always felt like that was a stigma with women as a man i always would hear men go yo she's crazy she's crazy and i at one point in my life i got caught up in that same routine of nah she's she's crazy but a lot of times not all the time not all the time but a lot of times she ain't crazy <laughs> she just love you <laughs> And you acting stupid. <laughs> and, it, and it goes the other way as well. I've heard women. I've, I've seen women in situations of, yo, he's crazy. And he's not really crazy. He just really loves you. And you're wilding. Does that make people crazy? You might see it like that. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you're playing with somebody feeling. Sometimes somebody just sees something a little different than you. Doesn't necessarily make them crazy. I don't think people should be as quick to label someone crazy, man, because there are I've had moments that if somebody only saw me in that moment or in another moment, they would think I was insane. But that, those were moments. None of us should be judged off of our moments. With that being said, Kanye has said and done things in the past that I wasn't very proud of at all. Didn't agree with him at all. In fact, I was very disappointed because I was a huge Kanye fan when Kanye first started. If you know Kanye's story, you know that Kanye was very, very close to his mom. And she sacrificed a lot in order to help him achieve his dreams. He gets this money, and the first thing he wants to do is take care of his mom, like most of us. And unfortunately, his mom goes in to get a little surgery done to enhance herself, whatever she wanted to do. She didn't make it. Kanye funded that. I believe Kanye blamed himself for that. I believe he does to this day. As much as I love my mama, I would. I'm not sure I would ever get past that. And I'm not saying this to make excuses for Kanye. I'm just saying I believe, I believe it has something to do with a lot of the things that have occurred with him. His mom was his everything. I couldn't imagine. You finally get to where you finally get to where your dreams are becoming a reality. You're starting to get everything you ever asked for. And then you lose everything you ever had. Not a lot of us recover from that. I'm praying for Kanye. Money don't matter, fame don't matter, fortune don't matter when you in that place. I'm praying for Kanye. And that's that. Mindset.
everybody's mindset is different. As a Virgo, <laughs> Virgos sometimes have a tendency to think that the way they think is the only way that anyone should think. I'll be the first to admit it. If you know a Virgo, you probably just did one of those. Yes, don't do all that. Nobody asked you to do that. But I will admit that that was a, uh, that was a process of growth for me to really have to understand that because that's the way I see it doesn't mean that that's the way everyone sees it or that's the way you're supposed to see it. That was growth. I believe a part of having a good mindset is having an open mindset. I always believe I'm wrong because if I'm right, I'm right. Who cares? But if I'm wrong, then I have an opportunity to learn something. So there's a win in everything. There's a win and a loss, which means I'm never losing. Even when I'm losing, I'm winning. Ooh, that would be bars, but Jay-Z said something like that, I think, before me. But anyway, that's not the point. Let's talk about mindset and mindset amongst friends. I want to ask y'all this. How honest should you be with your friends? Like, how honest should friends be with each other? This was a conversation that came up between me and a few of my friends. And I've always been the friend. Like, they were making fun of me because I'm always the friend. That's 100% honest. So they like, yo, it's times when I'm really just not going to ask Mo. Like it, and I'm like, see, those are the times you know you don't want the truth. You don't want. And they're like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm just not going to deal with you. And then it was, it's other friends that you kind of call when you need just to be picked up. Like, so how honest should you be with your friends? I believe 100%. I just can't imagine having a friendship with anyone where I don't keep it a buck with them. But I'm having an open mindset for people who feel different. And I'm just curious because this conversation kind of came about when we were discussing if someone were to say on a scale of zero to 100, what percentage are you confident that they don't talk bad about you behind your back? And someone asked me that about my best friend. And I was like, honestly, 80, 90. And they were like, why wouldn't it be 100? And I'm like, eh, everybody kind of talks shit about you. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a thing, you know, like nobody does. And then he was like, nah, nah, I'm not doing that. He's like, so there's nobody in your life that you're 100% sure has never had bad intentions behind your back? I'm like, no. He's like, wow, you really don't trust people, huh? No. Then he wanted to dig into that. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing that. But I was curious as to how other people felt. Like, is talking bad about someone behind their back kind of like expected thing about me if you don't keep it real about me to my face then i believe you keep it real about me somewhere else. and i personally am not okay with that like my friends i'll talk shit to you to your face and compliment you behind your back that's how i move and i'm starting to wonder why more people don't move like that because i had an incident recently where someone came to me and they said you know so-and-so had said this about you and it reminded me of when this happened a few months ago and I asked the person that approached me I said well to be honest with you I'm not really interested in what they said I'm more interested as to why you let them say it what'd you say oh I just kind of let it happen to see if they what else they were gonna say no don't tell me what they said tell me why you allowed it I would never allow someone to talk negatively about someone that's my friend I, I don't know how friendships work anymore is that something that's expected or is it not? I've noticed, like I, I tweeted this the other day, that people tend to get mad at the people who are honest with them, but they never seem to get as mad with the people who lie to them. I, I, I don't understand. I don't know what a friend is anymore. Do y'all have friends who you call like to vent and then they start venting before you and they vent so much that like by the time they stop the conversation in <laughs> and now you still fucked up and don't have a friend anymore? Like <laughs> you, you didn't even help, man. You, you talked about you. You got to ask yourself this. When you call your friend, be honest with yourself too. Don't lie. When you call your friend, do you call them to talk about them or do you call them to talk about you? You got to ask yourself because I've realized there's two types of people in this world. There are people who call you to talk about you, like, like literally to see how you're doing. And then there's people who call you to talk about them. And I'm, I've noticed that people will call you and be like, yo, man, I'm just checking on you. And I'll be like, I'm good, bro. And then they'll spend the next 15 minutes just talking about them and <laughs> and telling me how I can help them be better thems. And I'm like, nah, no, no, no. I thought I do you said you're checking on me, though. They're not checking. Mm -mm. Here's what's funny to me. Everybody's not a villain. But when you find a person that is a villain, that you treat it like a superhero, it hurts so much that it'll make you believe that everybody is a villain. And, and here's the thing. I'm starting to feel like we root for villains. 
silently. I, I really do. I was thinking this the other day because I've always watched like a lot of investigate discovery, just crime stories, first 48, like all that. I'm into all that. I don't know why. I always have been. And I realized like it's always the villains. It's always the killers who get the movie. <laughs> like they always get the movie, the documentary. In a sense, they kind of get the awards. They 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 become famous. The victims no one ever really knows. You hear about them in whatever that documentary is, you never hear about them again. In a weird way, society somewhat pays homage to the killers. And I'm not going to lie. I've found myself watching shows like not like the real life ones, but like just in the show. And I'm kind of rooting for the bad guy to get away. <laughs> they catch him. I'm like, oh, man, damn it. <laughs> like, I don't know. And I'm, I have to catch myself like, Mo, what are you doing? He's a criminal. No, don't do that. No, what are you doing? But I, I'm like, oh, get away, man. Now don't go over there. Oh, no, they over there. They're going to see you. I don't know why I find myself doing this. I've done this. I, I used to watch this show called I Almost Got Away With It. And it's called I Almost Got Away With It for a reason because they never actually get away with it. But I would watch it. And then at the end, I was still like sad. I was like, oh, he should have never talked to that girl. Damn. See? Oh, don't buy the fur coat. Like, I, that's. And first of all, you stupid because you know they didn't get away with it. I do that with Unsolved Mysteries, too. I don't know why I do this. Y'all, I get so sad at the end of Unsolved Mysteries. I'm like, oh, man. Damn, they don't even know who did it. This, they going to make me watch this this whole hour and they don't they even catch nobody? Like, this is trash. It's called Unsolved Mysteries, fam. Like, you knew this shit was coming. But I'm upset. Now I'm Googling, trying to solve the case myself. <laughs> I'm Googling names of the people. Yeah, nah, I've, let me find out this address and see where he was at. Like, what do I don't even have the equipment. But I'm trying to solve it. Something is wrong with me, but that's not my point here. Why does society seem to root for the villain? I even realized there's a somewhat of a science to being the villain in a relationship. I was talking to a friend the other day, and she was telling me about this relationship that she's in. And she was pretty much kind of telling me, like, you know, I like him a lot. He likes me a lot. It's going really well, but I'm trying to back out and ease up a little bit and i'm like why she's like because i just don't i feel like he's got too much of the power so i'm like oh so you want to be the person who loves but loves less in the relationship she's like yeah see you get it i'm like no i didn't say that <laughs> I, <laughs> I i see what you're saying but I'm, I'm not saying i get it i don't like why not if it, if it feels good jump up in there what's the problem and she's like nah and i and i do get the concept of being afraid of being hurt right like that's I feel like that's the thing. Most people are not afraid to love. You're just afraid of being hurt. So, but if it's been a significant amount of time and a person has proven who they are over and over again, I mean, at some point, you might as well get in the water. You're sitting on the side of the water with your bathing suit for three years, putting your feet in the damn water. At some point, jump in the water. If Jaws was in the water, we'd have saw him by now. That shark was never dope enough to hide. Like, we would have seen Jaws jump in the water there, there there's something to being the person in the relationship that doesn't love as much as the other person i didn't realize this but in talking to people that's the thing you kind of want to be the person that's like feels like you just in a little more of control and I, i've learned a lot about relationships in my last relationship um first of all let's let's start at the beginning i got a i got a homeboy who's like a dating and relationship analyst and he was talking about how he thinks the expectations of a first date or a second date should change because a lot of times a guy will spend a certain amount of money on a first date, a second date, just to never go on a third date or a fourth date. And is that worth it to continue to do that if you're a guy who dates a lot? And so he feels like there should be nothing wrong with going to Starbucks for a first date and then to a park for a second date or whatever you have to do to where you're not spending a lot of money. And then some women were like, yeah, I'm cool with that. And other women were like, nah, you got to like show me it's even worth my time. I can understand why the men want to do it wholeheartedly. I can also understand why the women may say, well, I'm not going on a date with you if you if if I don't feel like you're worth my time because I feel like I deserve more. OK, I ain't going to attack you for that. Shout out to you. Here's my thing, though. I got a, <laughs> I got a homegirl who has a guy saved in her phone right now as food <laughs> this is this is a real thing it was a group of us chilling the other day and 
her phone went off sitting on the table it goes off and biggest day it says food and i just thought to myself well i ain't never seen a restaurant call you like that's damn like how you get that kind of service like they know when you hungry and she just kind of laughed she's like you stupid and then she answers the phone and she's like hello and i hear a, like a deep ass voice go what's up baby what you doing and i'm like okay wait a minute that's food <laughs> who's why is his nickname food and she and, and i and so she talks to him and she's yo i'm gonna call you back and she hangs up and then i'm looking at her and she's like what and i'm like well why is fam's nickname food and she's like no that's not his nickname well was he stored in your phone like that cuz i only go out with him when i'm hungry <laughs> i said hold up man deep voice that just hey baby jew it's just for food. She's like, yeah, Mo, you know how I go? I don't know how I go. Why do people always tell me I know how I go when I don't know how I go? It's just like the people who be like, hey, man, you know how you are. No, no, I don't. I don't know how I am. <laughs> tell me. Why don't you tell me? I said, wait, so you only call him when you're hungry? Yeah. So that's why you ain't, like, talk to him because you already eating? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So all I'm saying is, man, nobody wants to be that guy. Men don't want to be in your phone stored as food. So I can understand why you would want to avoid that. Because that way, if I'm getting stored in your phone as anything, it's coffee. That's what you storing me as. Last time I checked, coffee under $10. You could be Starbucks. I don't care if you mess my name up, long as the coffee good. Like, that's it. That's it. Not going to store me a steak and lobster. So do women have to earn it? Do women have to earn the big dates or do men have to earn the woman's time? I don't know. I can see that going either way. I just want to be stored as coffee. That's it. But I've learned that relationships are a lot like road trips in a sense because you're going to have to pull over eventually. <laughs> you're going to have to pull over and get some gas, man. You're going to have to realize where you are and, and how much more gas you need to get where you want to go. There's definitely a destination but there's also some maintenance that needs to occur for you to get there and you can hold off on it for as long as you may feel you need to but eventually your ass gonna have to pull over whether you want to or not or you're not gonna get where you're going and relationships are kind of like that it's also more important to cater to the feelings of your partner than it is to be right that's that's also i think key if you're in a relationship and you want it to be a healthy one sometimes i don't a matter of fact i don't know that it's ever important to be right it's just never as important to be right as it is to just understand like where your partner is and how your partner feels that's why they're your partner if you don't understand that i don't know how far you're gonna go with being happy or even seeing your partner happy so there's that sometimes your worst relationships teach you the most and my last relationship was not my worst at all that's not what i'm saying but i realized in that one a lot of what I already knew how to deal with came from being in the toxic relationship that I was in in the past. And that goes back to what I was speaking about as far as dark times. It, it's all for a reason. It all plays a part. And you also have to heal before you speak on pretty much anything so that you're not listening through the filter of your wounds. That was something I said on the bird show that I believe is true i'm just trying to give y'all little tidbits of what i've learned in relationships so that you can use it in yours something else i learned about relationships i learned this a long time ago the person who always thinks the other person is cheating is usually cheating <laughs> that's the thing like if you i didn't realize this then but way back uh i was in a bad relationship and i never understood why she thought i was cheating so much until i realized that it was because she was cheating and i realized like that's why I got so many friends that are like, this is back then, not now. But I got so many friends that back then was like, yo, I swear I think she's cheating on me. And I'm like, fam, but you, you literally, the girl that you cheating on her with is right next to you. He's like, yeah, but I know, but still, dude, like what? <laughs> Wait, what? I think the person that's cheating always thinks that the other person is cheating. I wasn't cheating on my ex, but she swore I was. And I remember one time I went and sat on the couch and... I like I, I just as soon as I sat down, like I could feel something kind of hit me on my like on my lower back. And I kind of jumped like a little bit. Like, what the? And I looked, and it was a big ass iPad and it was recording. <laughs> she, I don't know why she thought this would work, but she had this big doofy ass iPad, like the biggest one you could buy at the time. And it was 
she stuck it in the back of the couch and just, I guess, left it on record for whatever the battery was at that time, which was probably two hours. <laughs> and I went to sit down and it just hit me in the back, like, bow. And I was like, all right, man. And <laughs> it was the weirdest thing ever at that point. But yeah. And then um, she she somehow thought she was going to catch me cheating that way. And I, I'm so petty that I went to put it back. And I was actually going to, like, do a prank and pretend like I was cheating. But the battery died. So I couldn't even do that. I was like, why? But she later, it turned out later that she was cheating on me. And my point is, if someone is constantly, constantly berating you for cheating, I ain't no snitch. You you put it together. So anyway, another thing that was um, funny to me was, ladies, y'all got y'all to gotta help me understand this whole block thing with y'all because i feel like it's for some women it's like a game like they'll they block you but it's not necessarily to block you and i learned that one day back in the day i remember i got an argument with my ex about something and i called her like twice she didn't answer the phone and for me that was like all right i'm gonna try one more time and the third time is the charm and when i called on the third time i realized i was blocked so she blocked me so i stopped trying to call what i'm gonna keep calling for i'm blocked and then she called me like a couple hours later and she was like wow <laughs> i was like what i do <laughs> and she was like you're not even trying to call me you're not even trying to do nothing and i was like yo you you literally blocked me you made it to where there was nothing i can do no that's not what i did i'm like what are you talking about and what she said was no dummy either dummy or stupid i was one of those that day i can't remember but blocking you doesn't mean stop calling me it means find another way <laughs> It's like, wait, okay, so it's like a roadblock. Like if I'm if I'm on the GPS and I'm this route, my normal route is blocked. I'm supposed to, yo, reroute. And she's like, yes. Now you get it. And I'm like, wait, that's the dumbest shit I never heard in my life. Um, so you blocking me was to just try to get me to call you more. Yes. She's like, this is why. This is why with you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's me. <laughs> but so I don't I don't even know what that has to do honestly with helping you in your relationship. I just thought it was a funny story y'all would want to hear. Now, at the end of the day, this is what's important about relationships. You gotta be with somebody that's not afraid to hurt other people's feelings to protect yours. Boom. I think that's it. Find you somebody who don't give a damn about anybody else's feelings when it comes to protecting yours, because they fully about you. May sound crazy, but it's one of the most simple things in the world, and I promise you it'll be a person that'll always keep your interest first. Now, let's get to the moments of the week. So I'm back in the studio now, right? And uh, <laughs> a lot of people who are not artists have this uh, idea that when you go to the studio, it's always just filled with a ton of people and women and drugs and all kind of... It's, and the studio is typically not like that, at least in my experiences. I'm sure it is in some... Not in mine. But I do wonder, I, I thought this to myself, rappers always have songs like No New Friends, I Don't Rock With Nobody, Ain't Nobody Your Bro, Nobody Really Got Your Back. And then it'd be like 400 dudes behind them in every video, like literally as they're saying this. And I was always confused by this. <laughs> like, fam, you really mean no one has your back? There's 30 people behind you. Like, why are they there then? I'm, I don't understand it. <laughs> it's it, it goes back to what I was saying about friends earlier. Like the people who talk bad about you behind your back, why are they your friend? <laughs> Just don't be the person's friend. If you don't like them, I will never understand it. I will never get it. If they not your bros, then why they there? And they be behind them just dancing the whole time too. We not his bro. We not his bro. I don't I don't understand it. Most reflective moment of the week. I was listening to this random playlist the other day. And Chingy came on. I like the way you do that right there. And he said, give me what you got for a poke chop. And it hit me in that moment. I can't believe no one canceled him for this. Like, y'all let Chingy get away with give me what you got for a pork chop? No. Chingy, I won't. Who's giving someone everything they have for a pork chop? It's not wings. I'm not, there's no way I'm doing that. I, I just can't believe y'all let Chingy get away with that. Yo, there was things rapping said back in the day. I think I'm gonna do that next week. There's been a lot of music I've listened to recently where I'm like, I can't believe people let you get away with saying that. For a pork chop, fam? 
You gonna go find some wings? All right, man. Um, lowest moment of the week. You ever been like in a situation where you was going through it with your boo or something like that, and you you was waiting for them to text you? You was sitting there literally waiting on a text. Anybody ever go through that? Like you, every time your phone light up, you get excited and you see, oh, it's just my mom. <laughs> you don't even be happy to see your mom is texting you. That is nasty too. When you don't be happy, you just want to get the text from that one person. That's it. Right, you don't care. In that moment, anybody in the world could text you. You're not happy. It don't matter who it is. It could be your mom, your best friend. Jesus might even text you in that moment. You'd be like, yo, not right now, fam. And you already know. <laughs> you don't care who texts you in that moment if it's not the person you waiting to text you. And that's a nasty moment when you have to admit to yourself that you're not excited to get a text from your best friend or your mom. And I'm not talking about me. I've never I've never done any nastiness like that. I'm talking about you. I know you've been through it. Now, um, let's get to the celebrity moment of the week. So this week I'm gonna do Ja Rule. No rhyme or reason, just because I've had a few moments with Ja. And so for those who may not know, this is gonna tie into uh how I'm ending the podcast with debuting my first single that has available on all platforms, which is a big deal for me. But when I first started with music, music was everything for me. I don't even know if I really ever truly dove into how important music was for me, especially around the time I I came out of college. I mean, all I did was write. Rapping started very early for me. When I was in high school, my man LB, who is my best friend to this day, he is so much of a best friend that I never call him a best friend. I always call him a brother. But he uh, he used to write. And he got me to writing and he used to motivate me to rap. And we used to rap in his little garage. That was a thing. Like we would we had the little karaoke machine back there and we would rap. And he heard me rap a couple times and he was like, nah, this is a little different, bro. Like you, you nice, nice. And back then I was kind of like, ah, you know, I'm all right. But I didn't realize what I really had. And that led to um him take us going from school to school. And I was battling everybody in the state. And when I started beating everybody i started somewhat making a name for myself and then i did this rap competition in new york where i battled like i think six or seven people i became the champion and then i battled this dude named sirius jones who is a, a pretty popular battle rapper now i won that battle too and <laughs> he wasn't that serious for me if i'm being honest with y'all but um so then that led to uh one of my favorite stories which is when and one basketball was a thing. They were touring and they were in Colorado at the Pepsi Center, which I think holds about 16,000 or something like that. And we were in this arena and it just so happens that the uh, rapper Benzino was hosting a competition at the time. And my dude LB, he uh, <laughs> he's so much of an amazing friend that this like this is a true story. We got there. And I didn't realize that this competition was going on. I didn't even know what was happening. I was actually showing up to go to the game. And we got there and they had a stage set up like in the actual lobby of the arena. And dudes were just up there rapping. And we kind of both walked in and we saw the crowd. It was like a movie. And he was like, yo, you know you got to do this, right? And I was like, fam, I'm, I'm not going to lie to y'all. At the time, I told him I didn't want to do it because I was above it. <laughs> I wasn't. No one knew who I was. I was just scared. I was mad nervous. I was like, yo, I'm nice in your garage. I'm not nice in front of 16,000 people, fam. And he's like, nah, trust me, you got to do this. And I didn't want to do it. And I uh, this let this be a lesson to anyone out there who sometimes doubts themselves or doesn't think that they're good enough or you don't belong at the table or whatever the case is. I ran. I told him, yo, I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. And in my mind... I was going to spend so much time in the bathroom that I never like by the time I got back, the competition would be over. That's what I was thinking. And I spent however much time I spent in the bathroom. It was a ridiculous amount of time. I don't remember what it was. And I came out. And when I came out of the bathroom, not only was the competition not over, this dude was on the stage. Now, LB rapped, but he knew he wasn't like that guy with lyrics that he was going to get up there and just battle people. He didn't even do it for that. He had enough courage to get up there. And just do it anyway. So in my mind, I'm walking back from the bathroom and I see him on the stage. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? So then I see Benzino kind of hand him the mic like, all right, man, what you got? And he raps. And then the other dude raps. And then he loses. And then the dude is like, yo, man, thanks for trying. And he's like, yo, I just want to say one thing. And then Benzino is like, all right. So he gives him the mic. 
And then LB goes, I didn't get up here because I think I'm a dope rapper. I didn't even get up here because I think I could win because they were taking volunteers at this time. He was like, I got up here because I got a brother in this arena right now that will beat anybody in here or anybody anywhere. And I guarantee you, if he comes up here and raps, he'll win. And Benzino is like, well, where is he? And then my tall ass is now in a position of where I can't hide anymore <laughs> because for some reason, everybody that's in this little crowd that I'm around is 5'11". So I'm like, okay. And he sees me, spots me, and he's like, he's right there. So now it's people that's from our high school that's like, Mo! Now I'm like, all right. And I promise y'all, the crowd starts, oh, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. I'm like, all right. So I, at that point, I don't have no choice. So I get up there. And I battled the guy that just beat my man. Crush him. They put another dude up there. Crush him. They put another dude up there. Crush him. So now they're like, all right, you're going to actually battle at halftime in, on the court in front of everybody. So I'm like, what? So I start calling everybody I know. Y'all got to come to the arena. I made it. So I'm down there at the DJ booth, and I'm waiting for halftime. To, the, I, to this day, I don't remember anything about the first half of that game. I didn't even see it. I was so in my mind about what I was about to rhyme because I didn't know how many rounds I was going to have to go. I didn't know who I was battling. I didn't know anything. I just knew like I had to win because there's a lot of people in this arena. And my parents are there. It was still to this day one of the greatest days of my life. I go out there, center court. They call, announce my name. I've never been in front of this many people performing in my life. I don't think I don't think a lot of people have, man. This is different. It's an NBA arena. And they make me battle this dude from Harlem. Now, what I didn't know, this same guy had been going around from state to state and beating people. They were pretending as if they were going to give you all of these prizes that they weren't actually going to get you because no one ever won. This dude was a professional rapper. He was beating everybody. I didn't know that at the time. So I go out there, center court, and they make us go one round. I beat him. They make us go another round. I beat them. They make us go a third round. Now, they said in the beginning we were only going to go three rounds. I beat them again. And when they said, what do y'all think of Mo so far? Arena goes crazy. Now, again, in my mind, this is over. I'm relaxing. They're like, no, nah, we got to do a couple more rounds. I didn't know what was going on. I just went with it. They do another round. That's when I started to realize that this dude's material was rehearsed. Because he just got material, material, material. I'm literally rapping off the top of my head. The fourth round, we probably was like kind of even. The fifth round, he definitely beat me. And it seemed like they wanted that. They stopped after that because the momentum was like, all right, he got him. So even though the arena erupted more for me and I, they announced me the winner, they brought me backstage and made me all of these promises that they never carried out on. So that's why you may not remember, if you go back and listen to Benzino on the Burt Show back when he called up to wish me well, that's where that story originated. And then that's when music became my lifeline. That day I couldn't even get out of the arena. My, my dad had his chest out. He became my bodyguard. I mean, it was insane that day. And I kind of got a little bit of a taste of where my talent and my gifts could take me and I was I was motivated and that's when I, I went really hard with music um I was the guy always rapping I don't remember what movie it was it might have been Paper Soldiers with Kevin Hart it might have been State Property but there was a movie where uh Memphis Bleak if you don't know what that is that is Jay-Z's like one of his best friends but he was always rapping like they would just be like yo What's for breakfast? Yo, when I step in the spot, like, fam, you can just say it. Like, I was that guy. <laughs> I was just rapping, 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 rapping. And most of the people who knew me back then, they'll tell you. my I was so invested in music that I think it was very hard for them to believe that I went such a long period of time not doing music at all. But I lost my drive at some point. But before that, I got picked up to write rhymes at Murder, Inc. Studios, which was called The Crack House. This is back when Ja Rule was dope, Ashanti was dope, Lloyd was dope, Murder, Inc. was popping, Irv Gotti, the whole crew. And I was in that studio nightly, literally. I mean, for, from however long I could be in there. If I had to be in there at 3, 4 in the morning, I was in there writing songs for myself or whoever needed a song. I was just trying to make it. I was doing my thing. I, had to, I slept in there if I had to. And I remember it was just kind of ironic that my first two experiences with Ja Rule being around just weren't really good experiences. The first one, I talked about it on my quarantine stories on my Instagram page. If you haven't watched it, watch it. But basically, 
I brought one of my good friends around the studio because he was he was a good artist and I felt like he could help me accomplish what I wanted to accomplish in there. And it just so happens that in the thick of the beef, which would have been at any point within the last pretty much 30 years <laughs> of when Ja Rule and 50 Cent were at it, um, my guy just happened to have a 50 Cent ringtone. Didn't mean anything by it, just had it. No one thought anything of it until we were all in a room together and the ringtone goes off and it's a bunch of dudes in there it's quiet as hell and all of a sudden you just hear g unit bro we in here and and like you could literally feel the tension in the room like who brought this guy and i'm looking at them like i don't know not me but um it didn't turn out to be nothing but it was something like at the same time and that jaru was in that room and I, I don't know if he like how he truly felt about that. The next time I saw Ja, uh, we were we me and the same guy actually are in the elevator and we're going up to the studio. And as the door is beginning to close, Ja Rule walks into the building. And I promise y'all, I saw my guy hit the button. He hit the I say, yo, that's Ja. He hit the button. Door open. It didn't work. For whatever reason, it didn't work. And I looked at Ja. He looked at me. We caught eye contact. And it looked like I just let the door close <laughs> because I wasn't like the door closed so fast that I wasn't about to put my hand out there. I just wasn't doing it like I not. Uh, mm -mm. The door closes in Ja Rule's face and it looks like I just watched it happen. So we get up to the studio. Ja walks in. And then before I can say anything, my guy is like, yo, Ja. Oh, my God. It was an accident, dude. Didn't mean for that to happen. So sorry, man. Would never do that. Oh, my God. Hey, yo, fan, shut up. Like, you, that's too much. That's too much. Now you look like we did it on purpose. Y'all like, yeah, it's cool. I'm like, oh, all right. But then he kept walking. Like, like didn't, it wasn't no five, no nothing. He was social distancing way before Corona was a thing. So I was like, all right, Ja hates me. Ja officially hates me. And I understand. Like, it's, it's, it's like, I can't even go up to him and be like, yo, don't hate me. Cause no, I get it. Like I would hate me too. And then the third time I happened to be around Ja was, um, I, I recorded, I recorded this song and I had some kind of bar in the song where I said something about these old rappers that won't move, they in the way, or something like that. And when I wrote it, it wasn't at all like intended for Ja Rule or anybody. It just was a, I don't even know why I said that bar, honestly, but I did. And the, uh, one of the engineers came in and he was like, yo, this is, this is dope. This is you. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, you rap rap. And I'm like, yeah, I get busy, man. I'm trying to tell y'all. Y'all not listening. And then um, he was like, oh, now I got to get Ja. So I get hype. I'm like, oh, he finally going to go get Ja to listen to my joint because he hadn't heard anything I've done. And then Ja walks in and he starts listening. And the first, like, maybe six or eight bars, I'm killing it. So I can see Ja making, like, the nasty face. Like, the oh, this kid is nasty. And then I, did, I said something about, yo, old rap is in the way, need to move. I might even use the word rule in it or something. I just, I, I don't even know why, but I just remember Ja going, yeah, all right, this is cool. And it just walked out. And I was like, that's it, man. I just struck out. That's, that's strike three. Like, it's, Ja's never going to like me ever in life. And, and that's okay. That's, I earned it by accident. And no lie, the fourth time I saw Ja rule, uh, we were in the big studio, which at that time was a big deal because you kind of had to make your way to the big studio. So I finally made my way into the big studio and I'm sitting there with Ja and his engineer, Buck, and Buck leaves and it's just me and Ja and, it's, and he looks up and he realizes that it's just me and him. And I know that it's just me and him. And then he kind of goes back into his like notepad or whatever he's, he's writing. And in my mind, I was like, this is the moment. This is it. This is gift wrapped for you. You have to fix this. You can ask Jai any question you have. And I choked. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to y'all. I thought to myself, nah. After the last three incidents we had, what am I gonna say right now that's not gonna come off? Like, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. All I wanted to do was, was like, just talk to the man, ask him for some advice, but... I was young. I mean, I, I I was still in this era of there are stars and then there's the rest of us. And I just, I didn't know what to say. So I didn't say anything. I literally did not say a word. I think that was probably the longest five minutes ever because I sat there for that five minutes feeling like, I felt like a punk. I did. I felt like, I felt soft. But I didn't, 
I didn't want to say something and Jai be like, don't talk to me, Duke. And I'm like, all right, my bad. Like, I don't know if I'd have ever been the same. I don't know how I would have recovered if Jai would have said something crazy to me. I'd have said something crazy back. You know, I, I don't know where that's going to go. So I just didn't say anything. And I don't know what that moment could have been had I just said something. But I never said anything. And we never really had any kind of um, conversation, ironically. I was probably around him more than 20 times from going to that studio day in and day out and i and <laughs> and those are the only like real four experiences i've had they've all been from a distance and i think to this day like if josh saw me he probably would be like i know you from somewhere and i don't know where but i don't like you and so i would i guess i would say my experience with ja rule wasn't the greatest but Josh still my guy i'm not mad at him it's just that those were my experiences but shout out to bj irv Gotti, and the rest of the murdering crew they were uh that was a great great run for me that was a good moment in life to be around that kind of greatness and just to feel that kind of energy and i mean i created some incredible music in that studio and it inspired me so it was it was um it was a sad time when i was no longer inspired by my music to be honest and i don't nothing specific happened for it for me to get there i just i found comedy and it was just more suited for me it, it felt more natural um it just kind of felt like that's what i was supposed to be doing at the time that i was doing it and it was opening so many doors for me so quickly which music had never done that i kind of just put music in my rear view and kept pushing and for a while i tried to get that uh that feeling back and it just wouldn't it just wouldn't be there. You know, I would sit there and try to write a song for a month and I couldn't do it. And the old me would have a song done in two hours at max. I have a verse done in 20 minutes. Like I, it was easy for me. It was, it, it was never hard. And I think that's why I loved it. And I think that's why most of us love the things that we are passionate about and we have gifts for because it's not hard. It's just, you just love it. And um, I lost that at some point. And as life would have it, my guy, Case Money, who... Uh, people will become familiar with eventually because he's incredible. He 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 has gifts when it comes to music, and I admire his work. I think it's important to know this before you hear this song. But the journey that we have had is orchestrated. It's just not by accident. It's it's by design, and it's pretty obvious. And I think a lot of people kind of come to a point. Sometimes you reach a day in your life when you're like, oh. I might not actually even be driving this thing. <laughs> like I might actually be the passenger in my own life. And that's okay. Cause God got me or whoever you believe has you, but it's, it's wild how things happen sometime at the time when I, when I was doing music around those murder ink times, I didn't work with practically anyone. I didn't want to, it wasn't really my thing. I was, doing battle rap, I was making a lot of music. I was kind of in that Tupac realm of having like 300 songs ready to go at any time. And I didn't really work with people too often. And one of my uh one of my best friends, guy named Coast, he uh he, he was my college roommate and we just we just been friends ever since. Kept telling me about this guy, he knows, uh named Case who does music. And I was kind of, you know, like, "All right, it's cool." I was kind of pushing him off, like, "All right, it's cool, yeah." Yeah, a lot of people do music, man. That's awesome. <laughs> He's like, nah, man, you got to trust me, man. I'm telling you, you got something, he got something. If y'all work together, it will be crazy. And I'm like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And um, I didn't really have intentions of actually doing it, but one day we did. One day we did a song together, and it was enough initially for me to know, okay, this is this is different. Like, I liked the song. It was easy. We worked well together. Yeah, I'd do it again. I, that happened, I believe, in either Northern Virginia or D.C., one or the other. And I ended up having to go back to New York because he lived out there. And that was that. I said to myself, if he ever wanted to work together again, we would. And then randomly, out of nowhere, in New York, I happened to see him in the subway, which you rarely run into people you know in a subway in New York. And he was getting on the train, again, like a movie. And he gets on a train and I recognize him. He recognizes me. And now the train is pulling off. So I can't really talk to him. But we kind of motion to each other like, yo, call me. Yo, I bet. So I, I think he hit me up. And it was the wildest thing about it was he lived around the corner. This dude had moved to New York and not only moved to New York, moved to Brooklyn. 
not only moved to Brooklyn, literally lived around the corner from me. So immediately we just started kicking it. And not only we, we, we just started kicking it and he brought things out and we became friends. And we and he had he had his set up in his crib and we started making music together. And he had a way of getting me to be a lot more vulnerable in my music than I'd ever really been before. And I had another good friend who back then used to always say, when you learn to like just be vulnerable in your music and just kind of let it go, like truly get lost in it, you're going to be a beast. And I didn't know what he meant by that. I, I used to be so lost by that. Like, I feel like I'm doing that now. And he used to always say, no, you're not doing it. You'll know when you're doing it. He was right. Um, and I really don't think I started doing it until recently. But throughout the years, I started looking for it. And I think that when I met Case and he started pulling that out of me, it was happening slowly but surely. And he has an element of music that I just feel like I don't have. And I think it's vice versa. And we just yin and yang it. We just work very well together. It's very easy. It's not forced. And somehow... We're able to put this together. And we just started making a whole lot of music together. I was walking in his crib all of the time, three, four in the morning, in a hood hood, too. <laughs> so it was, it, I never knew if when I walked to his house to make a song, if it was the last song we was going to make. So every song had to be fire. Like, that was the mentality, because that man had me walking in a hood. And we, we definitely developed something. And we made incredible music together, and then life happened. You know, he went on to have a family. I went on to pursue my dreams. And we, we always kept in touch, but we stopped making music for a very long time. And at that time, I was going through a lot, a whole lot. Like, I don't think he'll ever realize how much he was really there for me in that time and how much, and how much the music and the conversations and the going out, the times we did, it did a lot for me. And now you fast forward 10 years or whatever it's been, as soon as I'm going through similar things, nothing nearly as bad as then, but similar, it's like it comes full circle. He hits me like, yo, I'm in Atlanta. We start making music again. And we pick up right where we left off. It was as if nothing ever happened. And anybody that's an artist will tell you, that's rare. You don't just find that with anybody. That's not something you just kind of can do with anyone. It doesn't really work like that. So I am proud of what we've been able to accomplish together. Uh, the fact that we can both put our egos aside and go in there and have a friendly competition and truly sharpen each other and make each other better at the end of the day. I think it's better for the music. I think that's why the people enjoy our music. And I am excited about this journey that we are starting on now and the fact that we are back to making music. And this, this is a party, man. It's a celebration because not only is 1901 back, not only am I back to making music, not only is all of my friends and family who have been like telling me all these years, you got to get back, you got to get back. I mean, this is the first time I've been available on all platforms. I've had an actual single available on all major platforms and I'm excited about it. It's a thing. It's called Hit My Line. Uh, it's by 1901. You can find it on 1901 Hit My Line on Spotify. You can find it from Mo Mitch Hit My Line on every platform. Download it. Listen to it. Enjoy it. And um, let the last hour be a lesson to you if you're in a dark time. I talked about when I've been in those times. I've talked about where they've taken me. And I've talked about being in one now. And where this one is going to take me. And all in all... The darkest of times I ever had, I had my music. I lost my music. I got it right back. And now I'm so excited to not only be back into music, but to present my very first song that has ever been available on all major platforms. Hit my line, enjoy this sample, and then get your ass off this podcast and go download my new song. I love y'all. It's 1901. I just want the truth in everything you say. Pain inside my heart that you can't take away I really ain't concerned with the haters Nigga, life is what you make it Ain't really nobody else to blame I'm sliding here first in the second base I'm ten games back in the month of May Who would have thought all the struggle that I'd have overcame To get that ring, ice my chain, ice the game, switch my lane 
Yeah, I've been on my focus trying to get it Removed all of the people that was acidic from my life If it really is a God, please guide me through these nights If you really was my dog, I hope you help me find the lights It don't matter how lost you are, my nigga, this for life I never let you fall or be forgot to the end of time No question in the place or situation, I'm alright 100 by your side, if you need me, hit my line at Carphone Warehouse, we've got the best deals in town. Get massive savings on bill pay with brands like Samsung, iPhone, Huawei and Google Pixel. Shop our range of smartwatches, fitness trackers, wireless headphones and phone accessories. And we've got unbelievable prices on SIM-free and prepay phones. Shop online at carphonewarehouse.ie. At Carphone Warehouse, we've got the best deals in town. Get massive savings on bill pay with brands like Samsung, iPhone, Huawei and Google Pixel. Shop our range of smartwatches, fitness trackers, wireless headphones and phone accessories. And we've got unbelievable prices on SIM-free and prepay phones. Shop online at carphonewarehouse.ie. If you need me, hit my line. Yeah. If you need me, hit my line. If you need me, hit my line. Whether it's your first step on the property ladder or your first place with stairs, from new builds to rebuilds, a new home is one of life's biggest moments. And we all know life doesn't always go to plan. That's why at Bank of Ireland, our personalised mortgages can change if your life changes. When you're ready to make a move, we're ready to make it with you. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Mortgage approval subject to assessment of suitability and affordability. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. The Sky Sale is now on. And who doesn't need a pick-me-up at this time of year? So get award-winning Sky TV and our best ever Wi-Fi with ultra-fast broadband together from just €50 a month for 12 months. Well, that's nice. That's a feel-good saving from us. So save big on the Sky Sale. Search Sky 50 today. New Sky customers only. Availability subject to location, minimum term and further terms apply. For more info, see sky.ie forward slash speeds. At Carphone Warehouse, we've got the best deals in town. Get massive savings on bill pay with brands like Samsung, iPhone, Huawei and Google Pixel. Shop our range of smartwatches, fitness trackers, wireless headphones and phone accessories. And we've got unbelievable prices on SIM-free and prepay phones. Shop online at carphonewarehouse.ie.